Mr. Kraken. Welcome to Robot Kraken, where Chris of Deeply Dapper, that's me, and Tom of Third Rail Design Lab, that's me, we talk about movies, shows, comics, entertainment news, and general miscellany. That's true, we do that. <laughs> so which episode is this? This is part two. This right? is part two of episode five, or as they will, as the crow flies on iTunes, you'll probably see this as episode six. See, that's what I say. When in doubt, we make a plus one and make it next episode. So it's episode six. What day is it? It's February 16th, 2016. We actually left that off the last podcast. We did. They can guess. <laughs> they can wonder. In the archives, in the National Archives, they'll wait. What episode was that? They'll be like, we have to use context clues to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about Deadpool. When could that be? All right. I'll tell you what I'm excited about, Superbat trailers. Oh, are you? Do we have 75 minutes to talk about the new trailer? <laughs> I want to talk about Superbat. Did you actually watch the new trailer? I did. I thought you were on, Bla- on Bat Out. I was on a Bat Out, and I couldn't <laughs> handle it anymore. I love the fact that this is a Batman movie with Superman's sort of in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so far that's definitely the the version I mean, that they're, they're portraying. Well, that's how they're cutting it anyway right yeah. now. Yeah. I, I, okay, I'll say this. Um, I'll say several things. Strap your seatbelt on, sit down, get a comfy chair. We're going to talk about this for 75 minutes. So <laughs> I loved the fact that they changed the – I mean, this is interesting. I'm I'm really intrigued by trailer editing and the whole concept of how they groom this, this, this image of how the movie is going to be that may or may not be accurate and how many times we've seen these trailers – with the music and everything, it's so perfect. And then you right. see the movie, like, ugh, they should have cut. That was the director's cut. Let's let's trim it and make it the preview, right? Right. Well, this is a good example of how tweaking the format of the trailer changed the tone of it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. They got rid of that dun 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 bullshit, and then all yeah. of a sudden, it's sort of rock background. And it had more uh, energy to it, right? They showed actual scenes from the movie instead of just clips of people talking in sure. kind of unrelated scenes. Sure, sure. Yeah, so yeah. I liked when Superman caught the bullet. I thought that, that was solid. Yeah. Did you see that part that we both saw? Yeah. Bullet. I thought that was neat. That was a, a good a reminder of how fast he can be. Yeah, Amazing. yeah. Right. Um, it may be the only thing Superman does in the movie, but... <laughs> So I know that he does a lot of grimacing as Clark Kent, which is really he weird. To does me. yeah, it's, it it's always bothers me. Well, it's better than the nerd thing that Reeves was doing, pushing the. I'm doing the pantomime for pushing the glasses on the. <laughs> but at the same time, he just seems always sort of awkward and irritated. He's like that in other stuff too. Half of Uncle, he was like that. Like, oh really? Yeah. Um, what about uh, the way that the bat wing was used? I thought that was interesting. I liked it's it. Like a diving board. Yeah. And it's like it was a plant, like it was a thing they do. He's like, I'm going to bring it out to the second floor. Go ahead, jump. Yeah, yeah. Right? Super cool, right? Yeah, I don't know where they practiced that, but <laughs> that. <laughs> just like <laughs> we're going through the Jack in the Box drive in, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Enterprise owns New Jersey and they just do it there. So uh, I love that. And it also played well with the fact that we saw that whole sequence of him kicking ass. More so than we've ever seen a Batman doing anything like that. Yes. He's the oldest Batman, theoretically, and yet he's the one that's all kinetic energy. Just just plowing through people. Yeah, that is he the was, best Batman I've seen on film, honestly, in terms of action sequence. He was doing, like, jujitsu type moves. Like, he was grabbing someone's arm and then hurling them through stuff or whatever. Yeah. Right? 
oh man, that was great. And so jumping off the plane sort of felt like that launch into that whole scene in such a great way. Right. Um, so I thought that was fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, However, that one scene makes me more excited about the movie than anything I've seen previously. <laughs> However, uh, here's the thing going back to my bitching about physics and, and uh, fantasy physics. So every time they do this, this sort of uh, immovable object thing, it bothers me. This goes all the way back to my old role-playing game days where I would say you could be super strong, but if, you know, you're human mass, you're going to get right. knocked around, right? So uh, it really irritates me, that scene. It's neat looking, but it irritates me when Superman's standing there and the Batmobile comes careening around the corner and hits him and just bounces off of him. Right. As, so so doesn't Superman have human mass yeah yeah like it it makes sense that his muscles are more powerful but that doesn't unless he weighs like seven thousand pounds it doesn't give him like grippy toes grippy toe (laughs) Uh, i was the dickhead uh judge in cyberpunk games where my players would attempt to like lift a car with their cyber arm and it would tear out of their sockets. Like, Come on, <laughs> Come on, you know, and you're like, God. you just lost half your peck and your entire <laughs> left arm. Down to 40 subscribers, man. So, uh, anyway, so it's a neat scene, but it irritates me a little bit because I don't understand the physics of the world, but right. They uh, need to brace themselves into the cement and catch the car, not just stand yeah. there. I like that, you know, the landing and there's a crater and then right. See, I like when they, even if they're super strong, I like when they, they, they catch something and they slide. Yeah, there's got to be some physicality to it. And we've seen good examples in, in modern TV and film where someone tries to stop a train or they do something and they're sliding, just like tearing up the, the, the planks of oh, the yeah. train track, right? Because they can't stop it until they dig in enough that they actually get leverage. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Like that um, anyway, here he's just kind of standing there and then bounces off him. It's a, it's a powerful scene. I don't know. It just doesn't make uh, any sense. <laughs> I saw there's a clip. There's like a really quick scene in the trailer where you see an armored boot kick of Batman's like clock and Superman. And that's straight out of Frank Miller, right? Just like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of scenes that that is one thing I do love about Snyder and his comic book adaptations is he definitely pays homage to certain scenes in the comics sure. that he's recreating. Sure. I like the... Um, I liked when Superman gives uh, armored Batman a push and he's like flies, you yeah. know, like flies across the, you know, like flies across the whatever it is their little battle area, and then, <laughs> uh, and then of course um, the money shot of that whole trailer is, oh spoilers by the way, trailer spoilers, <laughs> right? Trailer the spoilers. That, the money shot is Superman catching the fist and then going what, <laughs> like whatever it was, vice versa. I guess he Superman punched right or something, and Batman caught whatever it was. Yeah, there was that look, like what the hell. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see: does Batman have kryptonite in the armor, or did Luther do something? Yeah, yeah, I'm curious exactly what they are doing with the whole kryptonite thing. What's that line that they always? Uh, that's always marble mouthed in the trailer. What's the oldest line in history, Senator? Power can be... (laughs) Right. Yeah, the only thing I can think is if they're referring to the absolute power corrupts absolutely or something like that, but they don't start out that way, so I'm not sure what that line is they're referring to. The closest I can get to it is that power can be an asset, but of course power is a fucking asset. Well, yeah, no shit. (laughs) The oldest line is, ugh, me fire. (laughs) Speaking of power being an asset, Chris... Yes. The power of editing on your Macintosh. 
So have you seen the Star Wars? Have you seen this? I have not. No. They, they This is a segue for our Robot-Kraken listeners. We can do this. So they took they took the New Hope trailer from the 70s, Star right. Wars. They re-edited it like it's a Grindhouse film. That's awesome. No, it's amazing. I am and going there to, have are, to check that out. There are three things about it that I love. So, of course, you see a lot of the, like, the reaction shots from the trailer. Right. <laughs> Um, I love that they call them robots. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, second of all, there's copious quantities of Wilhelm screams for no oh, reason. That's awesome. And lastly, it ends rated R. <laughs> you, <know? So>. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta check that out on YouTube. Fuck, I love everything about that. That's fantastic. House, Star Wars. <clears throat> nice. So, coming off the heels of that smooth segue, what do you have? <laughs> You know, I don't know if I have anything else of interest, actually. <laughs> I want to talk about the new Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I've seen absolutely nothing about that, actually. I saw that on our, our show notes here, and I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I know is that they're going to do another movie. Supposedly, it's going to be setting up a franchise, you know, multi-picture deal, which they always say now. Right? So are we talking like a reboot? They don't say. So they what? don't say if it's a reboot. They don't say anything about. I mean, I think they might might say who's involved in the production, but I didn't. It wasn't impressive to me. But of course, the elephant in the room is that the Battlestar Galactica TV show so definitively redefined that series, right? Gave it such legitimacy. It was so powerful, at least to me, until you know whatever the tail end of season. Yeah, four, yeah, where it kind of went a little off rail. Yeah, it did. It did. But even then, off-rail Bowser was better than on-rail other things. Speaking of that, I don't know why it's suddenly playing. So hold on, ignore me for a minute. What the fuck? Some technical difficulties. This is where yeah. we would throw up the uh, some... test pattern of an analog. <laughs> some some drunken man from the the Simpsons test pattern there. <laughs> Speaking of Simpsons, this is a total side note, but I read tonight while I was putting my kids to sleep that. On a future Simpsons episode coming up, they're going to do a live Q&A with Homer Simpson. Really? Where, what's his name? Who does the voice? Castaneda. 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 He's going to be responding to live tweets or questions or whatever it is they, they do today. And they're using mocap to make, the, really? make Homer respond. He'll be sitting on a couch. And he's just going to be talking in response. They have to improvise it. And they're going to be having him do it live. I mean, how dope. That's how awesome. 2016 is that. That's very 2016. Yeah, it is. That's really interesting. In 2015, it would have been bullshit, right? But yeah. now it sounds <laughs> right. totally legit, right? And anyway. then the, the mocap's going to fail and it's going to flicker and it'll show him with dots all over his face <laughs> drinking some rum or something. How amazing would that be? I would so pay money to see the – I would pay money to see the footage of him just with the balls, tennis balls on. Oh, I would whatever. love that. The ping pong balls on it, drinking whiskey, <laughs> drinking Kraken rum. Right, uh, right. <laughs> rolling his eyes at every question. Right? <laughs> he seems a really neat guy, but I think that would be really funny. That would be really funny. What's not funny is the idea that they could completely fuck up a reboot of Battlestar Galactica. I'm really worried about that. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, I, I had questions about the reboot when they came out with the reboot of the reboot from what was that, 2003 or whatever. But fuck, I, it's, it seems like it's awfully soon because, like, that well, series ended in 2010. It's like not even been six years. I don't think. Well, the because I, I can't get to the calculator on my 
Macintosh, fast enough. So, uh, well, here's the thing. The, the guys at the um, the Weekly Planet podcast uh, were cracking me up when I was riding to work, and they were talking specifically to me. And Of course. Hundreds right of thousands into your of ear listeners. holes. They were. Um, <laughs> and they said, uh, one guy pointed out that uh, people were outraged when they rebooted it in 2010 or whatever it was. Whatever right. Started, what, whatever, in the 2000s when they started that. Yeah. That, Fans of the 70s series and possibly three people in their basement who like the the Battlestar 80, right? They're outraged <laughs> that they were going to reboot this. Right. right? So if that, was the, that was the outrage and you got this wonderful project. Right. What's the outrage going to be now when they're rebooting and doing a film version after that show was, was so, so powerful? so loved, yeah. So hmm. I, oh, I don't know what to think. Yeah, that's... I don't know about that. I And it's not like they could pick up and just carry on what they were doing previously. Everyone's moved on, and honestly, it's got too much of a depth of history for yeah. you to be able to do some sort of big screen continuation. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. So, anyway, I mean, I think it has potential. I, I want it to succeed, but I don't know how you... I don't know how you move... Well, okay, wait. Here's the thing. I just realized something. I just had a thought. I didn't think after the Nolan Batman that you could do better than the Nolan Batman. And I don't know whether the Snyder stuff is going to be total garbage or not. But what it looks like is a pretty damn good Batman. Right? Yeah, shockingly, the Batman that. itself looks more impressive than I would have ever expected. So, hmm. I don't know. I Let's be optimistic. Yeah. You and me both. We will be cautiously optimistic. So, what are we going to talk about? Reviews. Reviews. Yes, yeah, so the, the last episode, all we did was talk about news because we can go on for things for a really long time. And we pared it down. There were yeah. other news items. Yes. In that time period. And while we were talking, the news items were happening. Yes. So, because this world never stops a turning. You know, if we had unlimited resources and time, we had all 70 something listeners, we could do like the Star Wars unboxing. We could just talk. About we could. reading the websites. If we were more and photogenic, we could do videos of us opening things, but people wouldn't watch us. <laughs> Are you opening a little bottle? Like one of those airline bottles? I'm opening a tiny bottle, yes. I went to the liquor store this week, and so I, I stocked up on my libations for sucking the monkey, our no. what are you drinking segment. But it's a little bottle. Well, there's always like new shit, and I don't want to crack out like 25 bucks for a bottle of something that I haven't tried. What are you, what is it, the, what's the little bottle? Well, so every time I go, I pick up a couple of large bottles of alcohol that I down sure. almost immediately, and of then course. I buy two or three little testers to try out. Sure. Uh, this week, I bought the Captain Morgan Cannon Blast. Hmm. It says it is a Caribbean rum with spice and natural flavors. It's in a black bottle with a red cap. So that one sounds like it's marketed to frat houses. That was my thought as and well. And it had you landed on, you know, coconut and lime with a bit of, you know, whatever, Ooh. cherry blossom. Like, it would have been... Something different, but it's really sweet. Yeah, like nothing says hardcore like a black, the black labeling. I know. Awesome. Yeah, and it's got Captain Morgan standing on a tiny little cannon. What is that on it? I am not impressed with this. Everything in marketing means something. What does the little cannon mean? Well, 
It means the bottle's little and they couldn't oh. fit a bigger cannon on it. <laughs> there's some design standard. There's a there's like a design book that like Captain Morgan cannot be any smaller than <laughs> They're like the cannon can be little, but he must have larger balls than can fit in the cannon. You made a ball joke. That's the first pun of part two, in other words, episode six. Ooh. I am not a fan of the cannon blast from Captain Morgan. Well, the best thing you could possibly do is wash it down with that water over there because we know the only thing that beats a really bad liquor burn is water. Water. No, it doesn't. It doesn't beat it at no, all. No, it doesn't. It's... Chew, some, chew some Idaho white bread. Just grab some and just cut I, I, I'm not going to chew on myself. <laughs> Let's see what happened there. Two puns. Part six. Episode Oh six. So robot dash cracking. So you live in California. I do. This is which is why he always makes fun of me for living in Idaho because he lives in the land of milk and honey, the golden land. But you can make fun of it here too because there's lots fun of here. The world of of celebrities and millionaires and. Have you seen Silicon Valley? (laughs) You seen that show? That's pretty accurate. (laughs) So out there, when you go to buy your libations. When yes. you go to stock up for our long voyage on Robot Kraken, yes. where do you go? Is there a liquor store you attend? To be honest, uh, Trader Joe's. Do you have Trader Joe's in Idaho? I've heard tale of Trader Joe's. All right. So <laughs> we do not see. have them here. I, there's one in Utah that's probably the closest one. Probably the Trader Joe's in Utah, not as good. So Trader Joe's Almost is a undoubtedly. Yeah, well, it's a it's a it's a grocery store, and you know their deal is that they stock products that they label themselves, theoretically saving on those, uh, you know, the the costs associated with buying brand products, and so they're sourcing their own stuff, put their own label on it, cheaper. Right. Everything at Trader Joe's is like two ninety nine. Okay. So you come out of there with the same amount that you spent, but you you know what I mean, like. <laughs> Two ninety nine. See everything you buy. It's like a cantaloupe. It's you know a bottle of whiskey at two ninety nine. Right. So, so uh, what, what I find odd is that they have a really good liquor section, and they have really a, they have a. I mean, it's, it's smallish, but the choices are good. They have some really bad rot gut uh, twenty when you're in your twenties type liquor. That <laughs> I'm finally learning to avoid, but they also have some good top shelf stuff. And I mean, like for example, I get all my my Bombay Sapphire Gin there. Okay seven or eight bucks cheaper than it would be somewhere else. Um, so I tend to get my staples there. Um, I will get an exotic whiskey or bourbon or rye mm-hmm. at my local grocery store where I work. They have a very large set. You work at your grocery store? I didn't know you worked at a grocery store. Are you a stock boy, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. It's, it's episode six, man. It's part two. You've been you've been pretending you're an architect for like the last ten years. I've known you. This is the long con going uh, on here. I don't, know, I don't know if that was an ambiguous pronoun reference or a false predicate or what. But the point is, there's a grocery store near my work that has a very large liquor liquor section, and they have staff picks and whatever else, and they have a lot of really expensive theoretical small batch liquors. Okay. We've talked in the past, you and I. Is that where you about, got the, your your bullet? Uh, or my bullet, or how are you pronounce bullet, that? Bullets available even in Safeway. I mean, that's actually got pretty good distribution. But th- I've gotten some other small small batch stuff that I've given away. You and I have talked about this before. The scam about small batch liquor. Oh yeah. The same three distilleries are producing the the base, <laughs> and then these right. other companies are like taking that base and they add some cinnamon to it, whatever. And they, say, and they put it in know, a wooden box, <laughs> right? And so I got this website that breaks down all of the stuff that's from 
from those main distilleries and then all the stuff that's legitly legitimately uh small batch and right. you know frankly i don't care redemption redemption rye is delicious and that's from a um, you know it's just, that's broken down from a from a major uh supplier bullet is as well so oh yeah I don't really think it means anything uh i just like trying different whiskeys they're all good so who cares but um, yeah this place has a lot of really interesting ones so i right get some on. stuff so and what is what is the name of the store where you get your alcohol from the mill valley market oh see in, in all, mill valley, all of the alcohol all the alcohol selling stores in idaho just call themselves liquor store yeah sure we have plenty of those i'm only i is there some sort of law where they can't name them creatively? Well, um, actually, San Francisco has a place called the Jug Shop. Oh, really? That was, it's a very large liquor store. And then okay. also there's a big um, sort of chain called Beverages and More. Okay. The More is like, I don't know, sw- like Swizzle Sticks or something. Longs. <laughs> no. You know what it is? Popcorn or something. But, um, you know, the, we were very lucky. Many grocery stores and, you know, sort of smaller general stores have – um, a decent liquor selection, hmm. just interesting stuff. So, you know, it's it's pretty easy to find good find good liquor to ruin podcasts I've, with. I've always really I've I've always found it odd that the stores out in this area in particular, they're not creatively named. And I don't know if that's some sort of like you know how they can't put the cartoon camel on cigarettes anymore. Yes. If they can't call it like yes. bootleg or Pete's liquor and right. and right. chiggers or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it sounds it sounds offensive to it's me. A, it's a biting insect out here. Oh, okay. Still sounds offensive. They are offensive. <laughs> That's interesting. You know, to be honest with you, uh, it surprises me that there aren't more specialty liquor stores around. And maybe there are, and I haven't seen them. But hmm. um, And maybe that's the problem, that when Safeway has a massive wine section here. Right. You know, maybe that's why. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. You know, if it's... Easily accessible in a decent mass quantity. Why not do it there? <laughs> Box wine. Uh, so uh, you know. So okay. Well, interesting. Speaking of choice and variety, yes. and excellence. Let's do our crack and reviews. Reviews. How many of these are we going to review? Nine of them. Nine. So this is where we spend a bit more focused <laughs> energy on recent film, TV, or comic projects. Focus being an overstatement. Yes. Uh, so let's see. Most of what I've seen recently that I wanted to talk about, you haven't seen being a son of a bitch. <laughs> However. Hey, hey, to be fair, I I did watch two of the movies that you told me I needed to watch before our next podcast. I consider that a win, sir. Now, listen, when, I say, when I give you a like a, li- a target list, when you get homework that's watching sweet movies and drinking crack and um, That's what happens all, when you work at home. Say thank you. Second of all. You don't put Winter Soldier after that. You, it was supposed to be Winter Soldier, comma, plus the the movies that I told you to watch. Well. We've gone through like five different. Fiddle dee Possibly ten different uh, podcasts <laughs> you haven't even heard yet where I'm ranting about you not seeing Winter Soldier. This is one of them. That said, let's not review Winter Soldier since you haven't seen it. Okay. And it's old. No. <laughs> All right, so uh, Chris, I have a question for you. Yes. So on this other podcast that I listen to called uh, Deeply Dapper Dispatches, there was a lively review of the new Coen Brothers movie, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. I feel like we could take a slightly different angle on it. Yeah, always. And, There's always different angles on a Coen simply, Brothers film. I just want to ask you, what was your experience on this film? I enjoyed the hell out of it. How much of it did you enjoy? All of it? I enjoyed every aspect of it in a 
one manner or another. Ah, so I enjoyed everything except the last 15 minutes. Well, see, because I didn't see it. Oh, you're kidding. Nope. Can you believe this? So really? I'm the world's... I'm the number one Coen Brothers fan, right? Right. Like, so the Coen Brothers, when they sit down to write a script, they say, so what would Tom say? Right. Like, think about what I'm doing. <laughs> would he appreciate this? Would he toast me with the... So, <laughs> however, when we went to see the film at, again, Alamo Drafthouse, right. the, uh, the local garage was closed, and I had to do the thing where I had to come in from Marin and pick up my wife and then get all the way across town to where in into the mission where the theater was. And also, because of the Super Bowl, they had closed a huge section of downtown ah, Jesus. San Francisco. So traffic was just this horrible thing for like two weeks. So I had gone all the way around all this and I managed to get there and the garage was full. And so <laughs> oh, no. I'm like zipping around. There's nowhere to park in that neighborhood. And like most of San Francisco. Oh, so man. Eventually I went about 10 blocks away and found a uh, kind of like this wafer thin valet lot which is like mm-hmm. there's a little sliver between two buildings and a gate and they're doing valet parking and by valet i mean I, you park there and then they take your money right so <laughs> they walk to you i guess is the valet <laughs> part and so i paid I, I don't care so i paid it and then as we're walking out and he says oh by the way we close at 10 and I'm like okay oh, except that sucks the movie was at eight and oh, it was out. And so we're walking to the theater and my lovely wife is like are we gonna have time and i said well it doesn't matter right it's right. already it's done, so we'll figure it out. So I look on my phone; it's an hour and forty six running time, plus previews. Right. And, and in at the draft house, it's not so much movie previews. They had like one, but mostly they're just they're they're pre roll stuff. Yeah. So, I just set a little uh, silent buzzing alarm on my Apple Watch because I'm considerate in the theater. Right. And so at fifteen minutes before the end of the film, it starts buzzing. I'm like, gotta go. So that here's the fun sucks. Part. I I I got up to go and my wife woke up. So she's been asleep <laughs> since about halfway through. <laughs> Again, we don't sleep. We're really tired. So that's right. Not, you have kids. You know, that's no cut. There's no cut on the film. Right. She sleeps with a lot of Coen Brothers films. So the point <laughs> is, I um, so I got up and she said, "Don't go." And I'm like, "I gotta, I gotta go." Just you know, whatever. So I got up. I walked those ten blocks. I got the car. I'm like, "Gosh." She can. She had said to me, like, maybe we can just go at the end of the movie. What, what are they going to do? And I was like, no. So I go and I get the car. Mm-hmm. I leave the lot and I'm out in front of it for about five minutes trying to get around the corner because the drive. Oh driving. man! And while I'm there, I watch the. I see a guy. This is this is real. He looks at his watch, and then they just close the gate and leave. And there's four cars in there. Oh no way! So I, you know, I chose well. Wow. Like lot was official, right? It's not on, they don't have a website or anything. This is just like someone's lot. <laughs> they just rent out space. He's just in like, San screw you guys. In San Francisco, people rent their garage. Like they'll, they'll like, like on event days of things. Right. We'll, we'll just be like park in my driveway for 30 bucks. Wow. Right? So anyway, I got around and I picked her up at the theater and we're driving home. And I said, so how was the end? She goes, okay, so here's what you missed. And she proceeds to tell me. Her summary of the last 10, 15 minutes, <laughs> having not having slept through the previous 45. <laughs> right. It's the, it's the worst fever dream. <laughs> I mean, it was nuts. Nothing she said made sense at all. I'm not even sure it was the same characters. <laughs> it was so crazy. So I cannot wait to re-see this movie. That's pretty hilarious. Piece those two, like, you know, when you smash the jigsaw puzzle pieces right. together. Right. 
It's like you take that piece of stretched silly putty that somebody had made an impression on and try and figure out what the hell it's supposed to be after it's oh been stretched God. back out. Jeez, she told me a tall tale. Man. <laughs> so anyway, but I was the target market. I love this film to death. I did too. I thought it was gorgeous. I think the the acting in it was just out of this world. I, I loved Hobie. Yeah, he, he was, was a real stealth fighter, wasn't oh he? Oh my god, he was good. I was sure that he was going to be somebody that annoyed me, and then he just charmed my pants off. <laughs> he was such a stealth weapon, man. Oh, I thought man. he was just a pile of garbage at the beginning. Yeah. And then, I mean, just like his face and everything just bothered me. And all of a sudden... <laughs> you didn't like the way he held his face? Yeah, I didn't like the way... <laughs> Chris, I didn't like the way he held his goddamn face so it, i think it was when he was doing rope tricks while waiting for his oh his for that fictional, gorgeous fictional date. arranged date to show yes. up um i was just like this is the guy like he's living i mean like he's pulled right out of the west and yeah he's, but he is that guy that oh he's my playing. god he was just perfect and then like the thing where he's like completely oblivious to the subtext of the film but he's singing the song anyway <laughs> right oh man it, so all of coen brothers stuff is a parody of its own self, right? Right. It's a it's a love letter to whatever they're doing, whatever genre. It's a hyper stylized version of it. They're worshiping it, and at the same time, they're undercutting it. Yeah, yeah, they're tearing it apart as they put it on a pedestal. It's like a French kiss and a and a and an Achilles heel swipe at the same time, <laughs> right? Sort of. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That. So this movie, I was sitting there thinking, well, so who's the audience here? Right. right. Besides, uh, you know, Coen Brothers fans, who's the audience? Not the mainstream. I genuinely right. can't think of anyone but Coen Brothers fans. <laughs> right, because so the mainstream viewer viewing audience of today doesn't understand the golden era of Hollywood at all. No, not even remotely. They don't even understand the 70s Hollywood. Yeah, they don't understand the studio system or okay. how any of that worked. The the idea that you have to shape the image of these people that, you know, in the public persona right. that would buy what was written, right? Yeah. That, that, was the, that was law, right? They didn't understand. I mean, the average... I hope I'm not being too critical of people, but most people don't think of McCarthyism and right. how it affects Hollywood, the blacklist and all that. Yeah, the whole communism thing is completely over most people's heads these days that, you know, they go and see Deadpool and they don't have. <laughs> oh, yeah. They see Deadpool and they're not, they think it's a documentary. So, right. no, so, yeah, I mean, so here's a film that is a love letter, literally a love letter to that time. Absolutely. And at the same time is so critical of it. Yeah. And neither of those perspectives, the mainstream viewer is going to really understand. Right. So I thought this was going to be one of those ones where, you know, they've built enough of a fan base from the accessible films that mm -hmm. were very linear. Right. Yeah. Like, like I, I look at some of the popular films they've done and I think to me you know, with a Coen brothers fan filter, they're just the same Coen brothers. Right. Right. But you have to admit the ones that were very popular were linear. Mm hmm. Even if you weren't super into their thing or into the genre that they were playing with, they flowed. Big Lebowski, right. even though it's even though it's all you know stoner, fra you know fragmented reality stuff, it still follows and is amusing. Yeah, and charming. it tells a straight story aside from a couple of fantasy asides. And, and Oh Brother, yeah, yeah, and, Brother, and also uh, No Country for Old Men are both oh, your yeah. storytelling, right? Yeah. Well, and same with Fargo, which is That's right. yeah. one of their more popular ones. It's just right. a straight-up linear noir murder mystery, basically, or 
murder story anyway. Here's an aside. Did you see Blood Simple? Did you like it? I have seen Blood Simple, but it was an extremely long time ago, but I remember liking it. I have to see that again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, they, they do callbacks to that film. And so, so few people remember it really to understand. Right. So, yeah, this film has so, I mean, it's so, also the pacing. Yeah. It's very circular and stoic. It's very, like, so they're smart guys. Mm-hmm. They don't just make a badly paced film for a reason. I mean, right. for no reason, right? So I think that it was a statement about the absurdity that Hollywood has meaning mm-hmm. and that, the, and that the, the, the business of manufacturing these stories, which were at the time like pulp, uh, that it had any, any real significance or meaning. And yet his job, Mannix's job is this really important thing to keep the thing going. And this is really right. Big. And, but yet, you know, and, to... and, I, and let me get to this, but I mean, he does nothing in this movie, right? Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the, and the pacing of the film to me was a character in the film. Yeah. Like it was, there was nothing. I mean, there was like, it was, it was a film about nothing. Well, and I sense. thought it was interesting how like the, the guy from the aerospace company, I don't remember what company it was, um, what? saw his job as so like utterly, utterly frivolous. Right. And to him, it was a really important thing he was doing. Although, like you said, he didn't really do anything in the entire movie. Okay, so that's interesting about Maddox. So he is fixing the public relations for these different people. Right. And everything that he says that they should do or everything that – every problem that is com- that comes up that he's supposedly going to fix, they fix themselves. Right. In some cases, his suggestion was the answer, like just right. deal with it or – you should get married to the, but it wasn't his action that caused it. Yeah. yeah. Or his most advice of, that caused it. Most of his moves ended up either backfiring or just never actually come into fruition at all. <laughs> and yet the one thing that he did that was, or the one place in that movie where his action was pivotal mm-hmm. was he saved the editor. Right. right? So to me, I, I thought that was just, I, I thought that was a really fascinating thing, right? Yeah. No, that's a really good yeah, – that's a good point. I like that. Uh, so Anne, Anne Coates was a famous film editor mm-hmm. for years and years, decades. And she she recently passed away, I think, right? Re- fairly recently passed fairly, away. Fairly, yeah. I, f- I feel like that character was a nod to her and I'm not sure if it was. But what's interesting – because she was – you know, I mean a lot of the imagery from yeah. that seems to be what I've read about Coates. But – what I thought was interesting was he saved the life of a back of house person who was actually critically involved in the success or failure of those films, right. but no one cared about or thought about. He actually saved her, but he didn't do anything about all the main people that the studio deemed were important. Right. That's a thing. Yeah. So anyway, what do you think about casting on this film? I thought it was excellent. I... I I was really surprised because I I saw Sicario like literally the night before we saw Hail Caesar. Okay. And or however you pronounce that name, I have no idea how you pronounce that movie. Um, and Josh Brolin <laughs> is so radically different in those two movies; it's just insane to me. Did you see Inherent Vice? Uh, no, I've not actually. Okay, so that's going to be right up right after you see Winter Soldier. You got to see Inherent Vice because that's a film. That captures Brolin 
in a way that I like him most. Hmm. Just really rigid, just totally in control, and right. then losing losing his grip on control, and then not being able to handle it. So nice. Yeah, that's, that's a, a that's a, like a Anderson film, isn't it? Uh, Paul Thomas yes. Anderson. Yes, yeah, yes. T. Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought he was great in this film. I really liked him. He had this this deadpan importance about him that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I yeah. I the the scene where they're talking about the call from the future and <laughs> the way he handles the two twins. I just. I en- I had a smile on my face this entire movie. Yeah, I yeah. love that era of film. I really like the way they recaptured the musical numbers and the the different aspects of the way the celebrities portrayed themselves and how he was basically a handler for a bunch of Babies. kids that couldn't take care of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So how trippy was it that Clancy Brown and Christopher Lambert was on film together? I was so on film together. bummed they weren't on the same screen together after that was, was trippy, brought to right? my attention. <laughs> and so I don't know, was was Lambert like, was he covered in prosthetics or was that plastic surgery? I genuinely have no idea. <laughs> like I recognized him by mannerism. Right. And he had the same voice, but he looked yeah. so weird in this. I have a different theory. Yeah. Right. So depressed on the fighting tonight, he went down into the garage and in a fit of depression, cut off his own head. Do you like to ski? That's Highlander. <laughs> That's Highlander reference. So that was neat. Um, so, uh, so Scarlett, uh, uh, Johansson, 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 um, was really underutilized in this film. I thought she was going to have a femme fatale role. And yeah. Yeah, right? she had maybe maybe five minutes more screen time than the trailer shows of her. Right. Uh, the whole uh, recreation of the water sequence, the, mm-hmm. the, the Busby Berkeley style, yeah, was meticulously done. And I absolutely love the conceit that in this movie, throughout, they would do these incredibly choreographed numbers and then collapse it at the end. Right. Ah, cut. They, you know, like get me out of this is, damn tail and give me a yeah. cigarette. <laughs> love that. Yeah. So she was not well used. And on the other hand, Channing Tatum, who is an actor that I continually under right. value until the Tony on Jump Street movies, I thought he was just walking garbage. And then, right. I mean, I'm sorry. It just, he just never appealed to me. And then all of a sudden I realized he had a sense of humor and that's what started to appeal to me. Right. Right. He does a great job in this he's movie. He's so funny in it. And he's not in it much, but man, is he a showstopper in the part he's in. A showstopper, say. <laughs> so uh, what I read was that he, he neither sings nor dances. Right. He was asked to do this role, which I don't quite understand why they would. He said, sure, I'll try. And so he choreographed, you know, he was choreographed in that dance number. Well, he dances. And the opposite is dance. Because, I mean, he did the Magic Mike movies. It's a different style of dance. It is right? a different style of dance, but he definitely has some fucking rhythm. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah but the, so, the tap dancing was fantastic in that. I had the benefit going into this that I looked up a bunch of stuff that seemed to be relevant to the movie, mm-hmm. right? Like YouTube videos of older, older films. And then also, even in the time before the movie started, all the curated pre-show stuff at the Alamo was based, was clips from old movies. Right on. So, I, I mean, it was surreal. That's his stuff was all Gene Kelly, like fused with, like I don't know, 
like Donnie, Donald O'Connor. Oh right? yeah, there was definitely a lot of the the Gene Kelly dance in there. The way he leapt onto ladders and the yep. his flourishes were very 1950s musical guys and dolls singing in the rain type stuff. Well, and then also if you look at Anchors Away, Gene Kelly's in yeah. a in a navy suit. He's got the buns, right? <laughs> right. The buns. The buns. Re- G rating. So uh, <laughs> and then and then and then also Don O'Connor was the one that did the bar table dancing. He did a movie oh, okay. it's called Applied Mathematics where he's doing this whole thing where he's dancing and, but, but the, they went one step forward in, in this film where the, the bartender is pulling the tablecloths yeah. away in order to shut down while he's dancing. I just thought that whole sequence was just absolutely amazing. So fun. Yeah. The, I, I can't imagine how many takes they had to do just, just due to the laughter in that scene because right. they managed to have such a, a like brilliant homage to that type of thing but still be super hilarious at the same time. Totally. And the set was perfect. The, the shot where they're looking up at the ladies as they're leaving. Yeah, I just – I loved that scene. Um, the uh, – so, so, okay. So here's the thing. So they – so it's a love letter and it's a parody at the same time. They love to satirize not only the system in which they work, but themselves as well. Right. This is the second time where they're completely brutally mocking writers. Right. And, and their biggest strength, I mean, their visual style as direct as a director team is incredible, but their real strength is writing, right? It really and so is, yeah. This, this movie is like a spiritual sequel to Barton Fink, right? Yes. Right down to Capitol Pictures being the... Yeah, the, the same theater the or the studio, yeah. Right. And in, and in, uh, and in Barton Fink, it's the the you know the writers are on spec and they're (laughs) nerds in the hotel room and they don't get to actually enjoy any of the hollywood trappings there's you know just churning it out wrestling pictures right (laughs) i will destroy you and then here you've got this like the revenge of the writers that they're sitting around that they're all a bunch of communists now (laughs) you know this is all the rise of the proletariat but also we want money you know right (laughs) it's not cheap you know (laughs) and they're like infighting right the whole thing, so that's right? A... And and then the very literal interpretation of the 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 red scare just cracked me up. Yeah, the go out into the lake and then. The, the oh, sun. I <laughs> loved that scene so much. Go through, go through the work to get him. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's got that 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 dancer stance where he's not tipping <laughs> over while everyone else is rocking in the boat. <laughs> I kept waiting for the the house to explode behind him in yeah, some sort of dramatic fashion. <laughs> oh man! And so uh, and then Tilda Swinton again, just owning everything she's oh, in. Oh, so good. Point. Yeah. She she had a lot of fun with uh, language and with like inflection, like how inflection. So like how she would uh, slightly deviate those two characters. They sound yeah. almost identical but slightly different. So yeah, I, I really then, like that. And of course, like you said about uh, um, what's the actor's name that played uh, um, <sighs> Dobie? Is it? Uh, it's uh, just totally forgot his name now. Uh, Kobe, isn't it? Hobie. Hobie is his Hobie. name, but I don't remember the actor's name. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. He absolutely owned his scenes in that film. He was amazing. He had that, that wide-eyed innocence, and yet he was so earnest. It was just crazy to me. And the Coen brothers love when an innocent 
saves the day, right? Yeah. The theme, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, all of Hudsucker Proxy is basically <laughs> right. an idiot savant, right? And so he just was like, well, I, I better go find where this guy is. And then just goes and rescues him before the police even show up. Right. right. They're driving away just as they show up. <laughs> I was reading, or I should say I was conferring with my good friend, Imbadiba. And uh, I noted that the uh, the woman that was his, his forced date to the mm-hmm. movie was based on a fictional, like a fictional character in the 50s. Oh, really? movies, you know, with the, the, the fruit on the head and all that stuff. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty interesting. Right on. So I, anyway, I, I really loved it. And I cannot wait until I get a chance to see the ending because I understand he had quite a diatribe <laughs> that I missed. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you missed the last 15 minutes, man. I mean, it's not like it ruins the film not seeing the last 15, but it definitely ties it together really nicely. <laughs> so we should mention George Clooney. I mean, he really loves playing the fool oh, in movies. God, he's so funny in this. And I think that the, I, to me, I felt like, I don't know, maybe it's my personal bias, but I felt like they were using his character having the Stockholm syndrome, not even Stockholm, but it was like this sort of this thing where he was just, he's he, just he, used to being the ego. center of attention and I, there is right no in. peril for him because he's a star. The <laughs> fact that he dove in and he was all like spewing the communist rhetoric made me think that it was <laughs> referencing uh, Scientology. I don't know. To me, I could see that, that. Was what that was, was that was an analogy to that. Because... Yeah, if you wanted to put a modern spin on it, I could see that as being something you would focus on. Anyway, so that was Hail Caesar. We loved it. Yes, loved it. Did not disappoint. So, Chris, have you been keeping up on your X-Files? I am. Well, I missed this most recent episode. I haven't seen it yet, but I've seen one through four, one through five. So, no, one through four. One through four. Yeah. So I, I thought I would mention this because I think it's very interesting that they reshuffled the episodes for supposed continuity. But in, in my mind, it's very obvious that it's not. Okay. Like, the continuity is broken to me. I right. Uh, yeah. There's no question about that. It's like they've inserted a couple of scenes to kind of make it make sense. But yeah, like that second episode where they just jump directly into it. <laughs> so the real shooting order. Is... Yeah, I was curious about that. Episode four, then okay. three. So, so there's for episode one, right? Then four, which is the, which is the most recent one, the, the well, Trash guess, Man one, right? Right, Trash Man one, okay. the classic monster one, right? Establishes the loss and right. the issues about giving their child up and all that stuff that really affected me as a parent. Right, I was like, oh god, that's real. They did a really good job with that. Yeah, yeah. And then three, which was the the where I loved that episode. The, yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about that, I'm sure. But, I mean, you guys went to town on your other podcast. Didn't <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And then five, which is the one that just aired that I didn't see. Okay. And then two. So How weird, really? Yeah, yeah it's all over the map. Huh. Anyway, so um, obviously the, the episodes to talk about, I think, are three and four. Well, broadcast three and four. Yeah. So that's where that's the where man. The where monster, whatever they called right. it. Yeah. And then home again, or whatever it is. Yeah. So I remember one of the things I was gonna I was gonna mention after listening to your thing while I was riding on my bike. You know how you guys were really excited about Tyler Labine? Yeah. One of the Huffers. Yeah. So I have two things. One, you didn't mention it in your other podcast. Deeply dappled, deeply dapper dispatches. <laughs> the other. So you didn't mention this when you guys were talking about where you'd seen him, but you know he was the 
cornerstone of Reaper. You know what's funny? Uh, my brother and Devin have not seen Reaper. Ugh. And so I didn't mention that particular thing. I've only watched it one time. I enjoyed the hell out of it. But I've only seen it the one time. He played Sock. Yeah, he was so funny in that. He absolutely owned that. And oh within God. a few episodes, I wanted him to be like in every show that I watched of any anything. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know, Face Off or Friends or anything. I don't care what it is. 24. He is so, <laughs> like, he is one of those comedians where he's just, like, super charming and goofy and dorky. And, yeah, you want to see him in some capacity in, like, everything. <laughs> now, did you see his, uh, have you seen his Netflix show called Deadbeat? No, I've heard it's good, though. It's interesting. It's like it's made a point of it having no budget. So like there's a ghost. There's like a what's, – what's it called? The Slimer from Ghostbusters. There's like a Slimer because he's, okay. he's a guy that can see ghosts in the movie or in the show. <laughs> and, and But he's like a stoner deadbeat. Okay. Like literally, right? Which is not it's, surprising. <laughs> and so at some point they introduce a Slimer-type character and it's like – I I mean it is less effective than my Boglin. Really? Like it doesn't even have the range of motion of my Boglin, but it's like a Boglin. It's like, oh, it's hanging out eating candy or whatever. That's so, awesome. But anyway, it's a great show because he's pretending to be, you know, a medium, but then he is or whatever it is. You know what I mean? He's right. Seen, he said, you know, his deal is he's making money by, you know, he's going to be a medium and help people talk to the dead and no one believes it's real and he really can, but he's totally nonchalant about it. It's great. It's absolutely great. Right on. So anyway. Um, yeah, and he so, actually played, I forgot to mention this on my other podcast, but he has actually played a stoner on X-Files on two previous episodes. Right. Like way back, like season five that. or something like that. And I didn't, I mean, fair to be fair, I mean, I didn't remember him, but I was looking it up and I was like, what? Yeah. Both of them, not him, not just him, but her too. They were both. Oh, really? Stone. They were like a stoner couple. And the the one thing that changed over time, because as you know, the director was a writer. Right. right. So what changed over time was that their, their, their drug of choice. Was they went changing. from weed to huffing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, I, I so the, so the the woman that was with him in this was the one that is in the the cockroach one, supposedly the war of the coprophages or whatever. Right, right on. That's hilarious. So I I mean I thought that this the wearman thing was very on the nose. It mm -hmm. was a little bit heavy handed. Like I thought it could be more subtle, but it was still a brilliant it like really it could have been the was. last episode of x-files like yeah. it was i think it devin was saying that it was like one of the best x-files episodes he'd seen or possibly the the best mm -hmm. i have to say i think for x-files fans that's probably the case mm -hmm. if you were not a fan of x-files it wouldn't it would be confused. It would be the weirdest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> but it was so internally referencing, but yeah. inverting, inverting the entire story of X Files, and it was great that he starts out being like, oh, "It's all scams," and then he <laughs> ends up being like, "Well, there's no way around this, right?" Right. I watched you change and whatever. So, um, and definitely the, the 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 commentary was really great. That he was just like, "I feel like I'm." Not, I'm ashamed of my nudity, so I had to get dressed. And yeah, yeah, and like like what it means to be human and how we don't really know why we're doing what we're doing. <laughs> and, and the example they chose of the worst bullshit job you could possibly oh, have. Oh, yeah. The most mediocre, mediocre thing you could ever do is sell <laughs> cell phones at the mall. 
and then six... he was like, by the afternoon, I was the manager. <laughs> and, and then when he smashed, the, I noticed it like barely slipped it in, but like when he smashed the shit when she was confronting him, right. it was the second time he had smashed them that day. Right. <laughs> he had already put it back together. <laughs> I just loved it. And he used, I loved when he was bullshitting, you know, his art of bullshit. Like he was making up features of the phones, like <laughs> two gigawatts. You know, like right. he was just making up stuff. Yeah. No, it was, I, I just couldn't, I loved it. And, um, there's a lot of really great Easter eggs in that episode that I read about that I didn't recognize. Like a lot of references to creators that are on the tombstones. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, the, the, um, the way that it went from him being a, being a, depressed skeptic to being reinvigorated uh was really neat and yeah it was really great and then the next one that we saw which was the the one about the um what the uh the trash the trash man that was very classic monster episode it really was but it was well done like i loved yeah. that it was a attack on gentrification mm-hmm. and hatred on the homeless, which was fun. And I also loved, there was some detail that I really liked. There's two details about that, the trash man that I've loved. One was that he left uniform circular blobs of goo with maggots in them. Right. They weren't footprints. They were globs, circular globs. Like, I don't <laughs> know what that meant. And then also I loved the fact that when he, he would do this violent thing, bleh, right. off. And then he'd run back to the truck, and then he did this this like this like little leap into the <laughs> roll into, into the, it into the crusher <laughs> with whatever his body part was. And then, <laughs> like he hopped right. in and crushed it, and it was just so. Weird. <laughs> it was he like was a such comp- a a bizarre creature for the X Files or anything really. But I mean, when you think about the vast majority of like you know mid mid budget or low budget. Th- projects that have a creature in them and it's just some sort of generic you know the one who got fired you know three episodes into face off you know like right. the, the generic <laughs> monster, too much spray paint and then here's the guy that they, they, I mean, they refined the concept to the point where he was going to jump into the compressor right like he couldn't just like walk away like they made a point of him <laughs> yeah. climbing into it and then crushed <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. Like, they never really tied that down. Like, yeah. like who was driving that trash tr- the the truck the entire time? I'm not totally sure about that. Yeah, there was some loose <laughs> threads, and also like, why didn't we see like some zombie walking around with a happy face? I not the, right, it, it, right. It and yet, the um, to me personally as a viewer, the 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 Scully side of that episode was very poignant oh. for me because I have I have a parent that's in the hospital and. Um, you know, I have children. So between right. the two, I mean, they, I mean, to me, as far as stories go, um, and you know, we're dealing with mortality, mm-hmm. the, 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 the existential challenge of raising children and then the existential, existential challenge of your parents getting older. Right. So on one episode, right. With and, a, and, with a trash monster crammed with, in there. That's the, the thing that blew me away was how deftly they handled those two threads. I did not expect a like such a touching ending and that segment of the show was just it was like incredibly poignant to watch and then it was like jumped into the trash man and his band-aid on his nose <laughs> she's like I, I gotta go to work that was so scully right yeah in this i mean uh she's really been owning this oh god she's this so thing. good in this season it's just amazing in the last one when she was like Mulder. 
we have a case. They gave, they gave us a case, <laughs> and it has a monster in it. In your in your other podcast, you 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 said that, and then you played it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and she but, had just uh, such a great sense of humor, like in her, like you could see her eyes sparkle when she said that line. <laughs> and then this one, the, the the thing that she's like, I got to go to work to focus to get off of this this feeling, but but I mean, yeah, she. I mean, I think she's a good actress. She is. She's not discussed as like a, you know, I don't know, whatever, like a like an Oscar winning actress, but right. she's she did a really damn good job of conveying um, something that I think. I mean, in all deference to you guys, um, people who aren't parents won't understand the intensity. Perhaps I mean, you can relate to it, absolutely. But you don't understand the intensity of emotion when it comes to decision making about your children. Yeah, and I and I can only imagine the intense guilt about adopt giving up a child for adoption but also what i loved about it was i mean i've heard that story many times Mm -hmm. but what i but what i thought was interesting was she would describe it as not like will my child you know does my child judge me for giving them up right do they feel lonely because they give them up but she was more like is my like she was still had the same parental emotional tethers even though she hadn't seen her kid in years like is my is he alone wondering what he to do? Is he right. missing his mother? Is he, you know, faced with life crises and I'm not there to help him? For yeah. those for that that imagery to come from someone who deliberately gave them up is yeah. a very realistic thing. Yeah, that's because pretty intense, honestly. There's a dichotomy there, right? Like you give up, but at the same time, in your mind, you never did. Right. Right. You don't turn it off just because you gave up a child. So. I don't know. I think that's really interesting. I was going to ask you something since you've been watching so many of the old episodes. Did they have a child and then and then give them up for adoption during the original series or was that middle? You know, that I have not actually sorted yet. I'm I'm still in the fourth or fifth season that I've been rewatching and it hasn't happened yet. I get the the vibe that it must have happened towards the end of it, but I don't honestly know. <laughs> In the same way that I watched the beginning of the pilot and thought it was the new series doing a callback to the old right. days, I'm not sure whether the, some of the flashbacks – I know some of the flashbacks are legit old footage, but some of them I don't know. Like when she's like, go to school or whatever. <laughs> right. I don't know whether that's new footage or old footage. I can't tell. Like I don't remember anymore. Um, it, it, it says, according to this um... – that William Scully was the son of Dana and Fox Mulder. In 2002, he was adopted by the Van de Camps in an X-Files episode called William, which is huh. the 16th episode of the ninth season of the X-Files. I would never have allowed my child to be adopted by the Van de Camps. I mean, let's establish that right here. <laughs> hey, they might have a nice house, man. <laughs> they might even have an infinity pool. Right. Anyway, so okay, so we have to see the latest one. Yeah, so that, that's the season I haven't seen a single episode of. Um, so here's a thing I wanted to mention in the um, a little earlier, and I never got to, which was that I wanted to follow up on a couple of thoughts on Force Awakens mm-hmm. because we have not spent infinite hours talking about Star Wars. No, not at all. We're shy of infinite, so I want to <laughs> talk about more Star Wars. So I had some notes. Some of them are things that I remember, that I realized that I didn't talk about, and some of them were new stuff. So um, we're, so we're adding just... some more parsecs to our Star, Tech con- our Star Wars <laughs> conversation. And like many things with you and I, 
it's both distance and time. Exactly. So, <laughs> the first thing is I read that the backstory on um, the promising but underutilized in the first film, Captain Phasma, right, is that her armor her armor itself is salvaged from the chromium from Palpatine's old yacht. Okay. As far as character building, what a great premise. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, I don't know, but I love the idea. Because remember all that old shit? All the old Naboo stuff was all chrome and crazy. Right. It was very distinctly so. It was shiny and chrome, yeah. Right, right. So I love that idea. And I and, and to be fair, I, I, will, I will admit that I'm one of those Boa Fett apologists that is convinced <laughs> that he's the badass, even though he never was. Right. I, I I just posted uh, today that some great fan art of him cutting his way mm. out of a small hack. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's a solid piece of art. I like it a lot. So I, I'm pretty sure that she has a bigger role to play in the, in the other in the next two films. Like I don't I I think that they set the premise. I mean, Boba Fett had a lot less premise than this. Right. I think that they set her as a character that will continue. Yeah. The, if uh, if anyone would have seen the writing on the walls and gotten out of that base before it blew, it was her. <laughs> well, and frankly, you don't you don't ca- you don't um, cast Gwendolyn Christie in a role where the helmet's never off, and they don't do much, and then they get bamboozled, right. and that's it. I mean, right. obviously, I mean, I think there's a lot more to that character. Yeah. And she was the most interesting, second most interesting of the villains, right? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, here's another thing. This was an, uh, this was something I noticed, and I haven't actually to date. I haven't seen anybody reference, which means uh, it's my it's my detail, and okay. it's super amazing, and I want credit for it. <laughs> Uh, did you notice that Luke is wearing gray cloaks? I did not. So if he's the balance between the dark side and the light. Right. He's wearing gray, right? Interesting. I To me, that was a deliberate choice. Yeah. Now, I'm not positive because in that Ryan Johnson footage, he looks like he's wearing more browns. I don't know. But <laughs> at the time, in, in, both, in both viewings, it looked like it was pretty gray. Maybe he changes his cloak while she was holding the lightsaber out. <laughs> he had a lot of time to do it. Right? He could make, him, make it dark and stormy while she's standing. Right. And he wouldn't ask her if he want, if she wanted one. He would just kind of go, hmm? And, you know, yeah. like, right. I, the eyebrow cock. And... <laughs> Um, so another thing was that uh, obviously there's a lot more to Unkar Plutt than we saw. He's not just doling out um, food ra- food bits and food rations. Oh, right, day. right, yeah. We saw, we saw his hand seemingly get her yeah. when she was taken, which you see no evidence of that awareness in their adult relationship. No, like she mm-hmm. is completely unaware of the fact that he had that aspect of her childhood if that was him. Now, certainly, uh, well, two things. Certainly, there's no guarantee that the globby hand that's holding her is his because right. there's a lot of globby hands in Star Wars. Though right. it gets you. Also, certainly, I need to send you a third rail uh, mouse pad because it seems like you have like a Dianetics mouse pad. That you oh, use. this mouse pad's atrocious. Yeah, it's it's a compass learning mouse pad that I stole from my mom's kindergarten class. I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not learning anything it's from that mouse pad. the world. I, I feel a little uncomfortable having these excited children on my mouse pad considering what I do with this mouse. Ah, yeah, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> if you use that mouse pad going into those chat rooms. Look at how excited they are. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to FBI. They're at your door. So anyway, so that was a thing. Uncle Blood. I think he's going to, I mean, also, I mean, the fact that Simon Pegg was playing him is nothing. That could be just a fun right. cameo. But 
I do think that there's more to that story. Well, and uh, there has to be something with, uh, I don't remember his friggin' name, but Max von Sydow, um, that he was talking to on that planet asking about Skywalker that had the piece of the map. Right. There, it can't be a coincidence that he happens to be hanging out on that same planet as her, knows about Skywalker, the Millennium Falcons just chilling there. Yep. I There has to be something else going on there. Okay, here's another one. This is about Rey and her mysterious identity. How oh, she always has her shoulders visible? What's up with that? I, well, she's got nice shoulders, but so here's the thing. <laughs> She's fit, but she knows it. So here's the thing. So everyone's like, is she a, is she a Kenobi? Which was my thing, right? Right. Is she, is she an Anna, is she a Skywalker in some way? And, you know, is she, you know, she was born from one person or another. Is she right. something else? Is she a force ghost? Doesn't even know it. Is she another one like Anakin where she was like a, you know, being a pure midic, do I have to say it? Midichlorians. Midichlorians. So I had an idea while I was riding on a hill, very tired. <laughs> what if she's a clone of Anakin? Oh, that would be interesting. Right? We've got cloning technology in that story. Hmm. We've got this, like, I don't have any origin. I don't have any parents. Who are my parents? Who am I? Right. Uh, they did hmm. not ever establish Anakin's deal. That, you know, <laughs> he was supposedly a, a force of pure... <laughs> right. Don't 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 track, don't track on yourself. Here. Anakin's he was, deal. <laughs> he was a force of pure pure micro bits. Right. Uh, yet he had a he had an ethnic mom or whatever it is, whatever she was, Italian or French or whatever she was. So Me. the point is, uh, I wonder. I mean, obviously they're paralleling her with a lot of things. Right. You wonder if she was some sort of like clone of Anakin that was stolen. You know, I would honestly be so down with that versus so many other options that people have bandied about. Stole her and put her on the planet. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, I mean, several years ago and not that long ago for me since I'm three or four years back in my reading, but (laughs) several years ago in in the X-Force comic, they cloned Apocalypse. And he's like a kid. He's like an early teenage kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kid Apocalypse with his uncreative name. (laughs) Yeah, like Deadpool is like trying to debate whether he should kill him about what he could be versus what he is. And I mean, think about that. Like what if what if someone attempted to clone Anakin Skywalker and Luke figured it out and snatched the baby or Hmm. whatever and took him to the planet and hit him? Yeah, I kind of dig that actually. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah. Like, of anything, like, clearly they went back and found Anakin's body somewhere because they have the scorched, ruined helmet. And so it would make sense that they have some of the DNA in that respect, although he was burnt. But who knows how that armor protects things. There's also pieces of him all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) We're all made of stars, Chris. Right. I mean, they've edited things since the trailer. And, I mean, obviously they threw out a lot of stuff. So they haven't explained how the lightsaber was discovered. and Right. Oh, I mean, you know, in theory, bits from the, I mean, the Death Star, I mean, they never talk about this. And we, we've seen like websites where, or like Facebook things where they talk about how if the Death Star blew up, it would have this huge effect. Like my favorite one was if Death Star blew up, Endor would be toast, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The gravitational <laughs> impact of it. But, you know, in theory, bits float. Away from right. like that, you know, and maybe because that stuff fell away, like the hand and 
stuff fell away and then maybe even I, I don't know. So so Vader's body was burned on Endor and who knows what happened after that. Right. Right. So it's interesting to me to think that yes, yeah, someone could have could have done this and hmm. then they intercepted the plot before it did. I don't know. She is also because she seems to be gravitating fairly strongly towards light whereas right. Anakin was very um uh, inflicted in 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 that sort of hate, Christian Haydenson like you know like squinty's tear face like man you don't love me. Did you just call Whatever him Christian Haydenson. Yeah, what, what? Hayden Christensen. Hayden. <laughs> he would be a much better actor if it was reverse. When he was in Jumper, he was Christian Haydenson. Christian Haydenson. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's... now that you bring that up, it's an interesting thought that. She could be a clone of Skywalker yeah. because the lightsaber that she has is the one that he gets his hand cut off with while holding. Yeah, it's a yeah. different lightsaber than he has in Return of the Jedi. That's it's true. the one that goes off down Cloud City chutes and off into who knows where into the trash world below Cloud City. That's right. And in this in the, in the uh, typical sci-fi fashion, space has currents. Of right? course. <laughs> so it's looking at find its way also she's the inversion in another way of anakin in the sense that anakin had really strong mean 80s weird 80s shoulder pads <laughs> That's and she true. has bare shoulders <laughs> i thought it was so funny how they she was wearing a completely different clearly tailor-made outfit at the end <laughs> of the thing and she's like can you cut the the shoulder pads out before i go meet luke i'd really prefer that my brown. tan on my shoulders remains she's got, she got you got the brown wrong <laughs> right <laughs> my, my daughter came in tonight and she was looking i was putting the finishing touches on my ray sketch for our jam <laughs> and she's like um dad not to, no offense but it looks different than the ray in my calendar. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I said, how, how so, daughter? And she's like, well, um, you know, her bun is like, there's like wispy hair in yours and her bun's really tight in the in the, in the the calendar. And also like, <laughs> you know, there's like, there's a wrong browns. I said, noted. Art, artistic license. <laughs> Off yeah. you go. <laughs> yeah. go, eat, go eat vegetables. Away with you, child. <laughs> so anyway, also another thing I wanted to mention was that you know, there's a lot of talk about the Mary Sue thing, right? About yeah. her. And, you know, okay, you know, is she or is she not? But you know what it made me think of? And this is this leads to something else. But this Mary Sue thing really comes from role-playing games, right? It really does. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure that there's an infinite number of fan fictions that are infinite number of stories where character X is the impossible favorite in every scenario. Mm-hmm. But it really, in my experience, it goes back to role playing games, right? Yeah. A, 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 particularly where it's a small group where there's one or one or two people who are playing and they are the center of everything. Oh, and yeah. They can do everything and they figure out a way. And it's just like any other. <clears throat> Any other sort of narrative like that, right? Where the right. character is possibly cool. For them to attack, for people, them, to attack this <laughs> character as being like impossibly good at everything. Right. It's like they've just wiped away the history of storytelling. Right, right. That's the whole point of a story is you tell a story about someone that's interesting and has something interesting happen to them. And in those seven <laughs> original stories in the world, right, the protagonist can either be a fuck up who's figuring out a way to keep to get slightly less fucked up and figure it out or they're a character who doesn't realize they have greatness and then they find greatness right and she's following the luke skywalker model of being somewhat meager modest in the beginning and then discovering and granted yes she 
comes to her powers much faster. Right. She seems to overpower Kylo Ren very quickly. Yeah. All those things broadcast that she's a very, very, very powerful force sensitive, right. which I think is deliberate. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. And then related to RPGs, I have to say, when you see Deadpool, you will agree with me. One of the things about that movie that I loved was that it was like watching someone's role-playing game. That's awesome. It wasn't even a video game. It was like a role-playing <laughs> game. It was like someone was playing and they were rolling all 20s the entire time. Nice. And But it, but it had the pers- – it had this – the sort of the tone of the kind of game did you play a lot of role-playing games when you were young? Uh, i was around people who played a lot of role-playing games but i didn't myself play a lot of them okay. well so you know you, uh in some of my i was always the the judge or the the dm you know, the dm or whatever the and so master. i had i had many games many campaigns that were very serious like my cyberpunk related ones were right. very serious heist stories and sort of like crime stories this does not um, surprise me coming from no. you oh no, that's a topic for another podcast but <laughs> i've also had them where it's very nonsensical and humorous everyone is having beverages and they're eating food and they're right. around and everything is really like the seri- the the context in the story is serious but everyone is laughing and carrying on in their responses to things right that's what Deadpool felt to me. Right. I could totally like it, see that right on. It was a legitimately like intense, serious story. And he was emoting the way or he was just his dialogue and his actions. And the fourth like, wall breaking. and Oh, yeah. I and mean, it just this lunacy with like like players were laughing and screwing around like and everyone's crying from laughter while they're doing it. He's like, well, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to shoot him in the butt. And everyone's laughing like, well, roll the dice and see what happens. Right. Oh, my God. Oh my god, he got a twenty. You shot him in the butt. That's you know what I'm awesome. Saying? That's how that movie feels from beginning to end. Right on. Uh, so anyway, that's that's this old former gamer's perspective on it. Nice. I, I actually think that's a really accurate from what I've seen of it, a really accurate way of looking at that type of flick. <laughs> yeah. So um so anyway, one other thing I was gonna mention in our um in our reviews, I just wanted to give a really quick, a really quick note. Yeah, I don't think you've seen it, um, but uh, my son was sick at the beginning of the week, and I was recovering as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was home working in my office, and he was home. And he he was like watching a show, and I heard some weird stuff, and I was like, "Wait, what the f am I hearing?" And so, in so so, I went over and looked at what he was what he was watching and he was watching a show and by, and for people that, you know, like, you know, whatever, watch animation. Now, this is not new necessarily, but right. Um, I think it's fairly new. It's within like summer of 2015, but he was watching a show called pickle and peanut. Have you heard about this? <sighs> Just from you, sir. <laughs> so John, John heater from Napoleon dynamite is one of the voices. And, uh, so it's, um, it's bizarre to the point, and I don't know if I can, and you may have to edit this out, but I'm going to try to attempt to play the intro, because the intro, to me, captured everything you needed to know about the show. Yeah, it, it does. This is absolutely true. Sharks, swords, yogurt, cakes, fries, smartphones, hot tubs, yeah. Chains, nails, grills, airbrush, chrome, blankets, mopeds, yes. Crap, laptop, resonance cards. Kittens, what's these fresh? Tight pants, widescreen tacos, wheelies, freestyles, just stores, mini trampolines. Pickle and peanut. Pickle and peanut. 
So they were when that ended, they were in an ice cream truck that was exploding with a kaleidoscope <laughs> universe behind them. Oh. This is an incredibly bizarre cartoon. I, I saw the tra- the intro when you posted it on R3, and then I kind of looked up a few other clips that Disney, of all places, is showing. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Oh, it's How so it bizarre. Oh, I, my. Just, I, I can't believe that this is something that some executive at Disney was like, well, uh, Sunday at 2, let's put it on. Sure, why not? <laughs> There's pickles the and peanuts and <laughs> somewhat inappropriate jokes. <laughs> and so it has that sort of style. Um, it's it's like um, what what's what's the one with Cartman and all them? Uh, South Park. South Park. It's like South Park style in the sense that it looks like it's been clipped out of some magazines and animated, right. but it's all it's all digital. But so the episode that my son was watching, I've only seen one, and I love it to death. It's already the best <laughs> best thing that's ever been on television. It was it involved what they called Wizard Fest, which was like a parody of the Renaissance Fair. Okay. And they went to the Wizard Fest. So it's a pickle and a peanut together. And they went to Wizard Fest, and they met this woman who was dressed like an elf. It's all talking about magic and you, you're my champions and whatever else. And they're like, um, and then and then they're convinced that she's real, and. And so then they start doing quests that she's given them, but at the same time it's like super dodgy. Like she's making them go into a like a biker bar and steal something <laughs> from the wall and some Jesus other stuff. Christ. And and it's just so surreal. Like <laughs> it's like an insane clown posse thing. Like they do things, and then this giant lettering comes on on screen. Like at one point, one of them, Piggle or Peanut, jumps off a cliff, lands face down. In the underwear of the other one that wasn't wearing underwear a minute ago. Just like suddenly it's just wearing underwear. <laughs> it lands upside down in it. And then this giant graphic appears of the lettering with all, like that, like, you know, like, like uh, energy effects around it. And it goes, right. stop the landing. Like, stop like, the landing. <laughs> <laughs> what? With glitter everywhere, right? And so it just like everything about it was just so amazing. And I loved it. So I can't wait to watch more of it. Yeah, it, it looks like. A thing that's happened. <laughs> yes, a purdment, if you will. <laughs> but I just love that we live in a time when something like that was greenlit for mainstream audiences. It's not even like some weird corner, corner right. internet thing. It's like it's on Disney Channel. Yeah, it's super strange to me. It's, it's not something I would have ever expected to have seen on Disney in a million years, honestly. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's that. That's what I wanted to tell you. I want to tell you a little bit about that show. What you need to see with all your free time after Winter Soldier and the, the seven uh, other films that you require me to observe. What was the thing earlier that I required you to see after? Uh, you want me to watch that series? I think with aliens and magic powers or something. The British one. Oh, Misfits. Yeah, Misfits. Misfits. Go watch right yeah. after. Yeah. Right. Okay. So anyway, so. I think we've done our reviews. We're going to set aside the other five movies and we'll save that for three other podcasts. <laughs> Solid. And I think we should do some planned pondering. Planned pondering. Planned pondering. <laughs> pondering is an entirely different thing. That's something my son does 
to wiffle balls, you should see it. It's amazing. It's called a punder, huh? It's a pundering. <laughs> he puns it. Our planned plundering, Tom, is where we talk about what we're looking forward to. Something in our queue, a book, a movie, a video game. Something that yeah. you're excited about docking into. Docking. <laughs> docking into, you said that. Is there something so, you're excited about, Tom? Let me get into that chat room, and I'm going to dock into my planned pondering. Do so, I have to show you my mouse pad? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see that mouse pad. It's nothing but pondering. It's like a bunch, of kinder, a bunch of kindergartners pondering. <laughs> Good pondering, it says. So in a uh, well, in like a 1984 Apple too. <laughs> I, I do like the fact that it's a rainbow effect behind them, which is like yeah. it's the power of learning, right? Inspire, explore, and achieve. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> So far, all I've done is explore. (laughs) Male centaurs. So, um, what are you looking forward to? What's what? what, What's your plan? Plundering for the week? Well, my plan plundering is kind of an epic day on Sunday that I'm quite excited about. Um, For our other podcast, Deeply Dapper Dispatches, available on iTunes. Um. We are getting together with my buddy Rob, who's one of our best friends who lives in Idaho Falls, which is about an hour north of us, which for you living in California is like three or four blocks from where you live. But for us, 45 minutes is a pretty solid drive. Because of the jalopies you drive to. <laughs> right. Well, the horse and buggy can only go so fast, particularly when it's loaded down with my fat ass. Have you seen any of that stuff with the Amish today? And they have like modern hazard signs and stuff hanging, hanging off the buggies, like really? store-bought hazard signs. You That's know? awesome. <laughs> Don't tailgate, whatever. But they're like, <laughs> Trump for president. That's terrible. <laughs> terrible. But anyway, um, the theater in Idaho Falls has one of those uh, retro event things that they're doing. And they're showing oh. the 75th anniversary of the Maltese Falcon on oh, Sunday. And I cannot wait to see that on the large screen. And while we're there, we're going to just go ahead and stay there the whole day, hang out with our buddies, play some games, do some shopping. And then that night, we're going to watch The Witch as well. So, which means we're going to spend like an obscene amount of money at this movie theater. (laughs) But I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to see the Maltese Falcon on the big screen. I think that's going to be fun as hell. Yeah, no kidding, man. I would definitely do that if it didn't involve going to Idaho and Well, they yeah. they may do that somewhere there too. It's it's a series of event things. I know that both Carmike and Edwards Cinemas, uh which mm-hmm. is a part of the Regal Cinemas group, are both showing it on the 21st and the 24th, which is super weird. I don't know why they chose those two days. But um, it's kind of this weird, like, series of event things. It's the same series that showed the final cut of Blade Runner and the Pretty in Pink anniversary, too. I really appreciate the fact that, I mean, cinemas are no different than any other business, right? But, right. Uh, but I love the idea that the Edward Cinemas group. So I like how I, I just admit, <laughs> I imagine when you were saying that, that there's like this boardroom and there's a guy sitting there. He's got like a, he's got like a, like a, legal pad with some important <laughs> right. items that he wants to fit in. He's eating dentine gum, right? It's just like, well, here's what we're going to do. The Edward Cinemas group. We're going to do this special event, and then later on we're going to do 
you know, whatever on Golden Pond, the re-release, right? Just like random stuff. <laughs> but I, but I have to say, I'm excited about it. I would do that. I would watch that if yeah, I. Yeah, yeah, I'm quite excited. I would be a lot more excited if the local Carmike Theater um, had actually gotten either of these films. It didn't get The Witch or Maltese Falcon, so we get to drive an hour north to go see them. But. Have you seen the Maltese Falcon before? Oh yeah, I'm a huge Bogart and like old film noir fan. So of course, of I course. I love it. I, I it's not my my favorite. I really like Big Sleep better sure. than that. But well, you're smart. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But I mean, it's I mean, it's it's famous for a reason, though. It's very iconic. I love it. It is. So now you've seen the trailers for The Witch. Yes, it's so... intense. I saw that trailer like twice or three times before I got that pre-screening that I didn't accept. Right. And um, it looks scary as shit. It does. It looks really crazy. Demon goats. Yeah. And the, the, the oh man, the, the period that they've chosen and the, oh, the setting is just, oh, it looks amazing. I love how we've, I mean, first of all, I love how textbooks have written the Quakers as being, this peaceful enclave that happened to, you know, eat itself or die, but ultimately <laughs> super peaceful people. Everything was great. Um, here's, here's some maze. Everybody's happy on Thanksgiving. Right. That said, the imagery of yeah. Puritans, I know Quakers and Puritans, not the same, but the, overall, right. The right. Image of these societies that were attempting to just like sort of blunt. So like coat everything with a cream of everything's fine. And then they're in these really harsh environments and things just don't go right. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that in several interpretations of it, but man, the imagery of that trailer oh, it is just, just looks so... amazing. And they're in this world where everything's kind of foreign and creepy anyway, and they're trying to hold on to their faith, but shit's happening that shouldn't be happening, and it's cold and harsh, and it, it looks amazing. During Deadpool, which was the fourth time I saw that trailer, <laughs> I was trying to imagine, is it music? Is it like context? Like if it had like the, the hee-haw soundtrack or some sort of like really whimsical like vampire weekend or whatever. Right. Like, like you know, the thing where they, or they, uh, they, um, they Anderson, Anderson eyes. <laughs> right. Like really whimsical. So I'm trying to imagine if that same imagery would be as scary if it had like, you know, like the shins playing in the background <laughs> but or, or or you know something something i don't know because like just that goat in and of itself is that is an evil goddamn goat man <laughs> like when they're just when the kids are in their drabs and they're out there like sweeping stuff and it just looks so st- i mean it's in bright sun there's yeah. nothing scary about that but it looks so it looks so culty yeah i'm i'm super excited about seeing this movie i think it looks so Right up my alley <laughs> in a lot of ways. Are you excited about um, Cloverfield Lane? I am. I It took took me totally by surprise. I didn't even know it existed until they released that trailer. How hard is it to do a film like that and no one knows it's even happening? Oh, it's just crazy to me. And it's such a good cast. The, 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 the few people in it. The latest trailer. Did you see that one? I haven't watched the latest one. No, I, I'm trying to decide if I want to don't go black it. on it. Yeah, don't do it because it, they give you just a smidge more. Uh, but my feeling was I didn't want anything more. I think this is going to be a Blu-ray for me, right? Mm-hmm. And I just want to go in completely cold. That's my thought too. 
um, kind of like Attack of the Block. I just I didn't I knew the broad strokes of it, but I didn't know what it was going to be like. That's what I want out of this film. I don't want any more information. Yeah, yeah. I that, I decided not to watch so it, and I'm kind of glad I haven't seen it yet. But that first trailer was so good about establishing a tone. Yeah. Paranoia and weird nostalgia and stuff. And so I mean, just leave it alone, right? Exactly. So anyway, so you're. What you're about gonna... you, sir? Are you excited about anything? I am. I'm excited about seeing the next X Files, which is on. No. Or was tonight while we were recording. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also, so the so so this X Files that we missed mm-hmm. is the one where I mean I didn't know I saw some images of it, but I didn't know what the context was. But apparently, Mulder is having some sort of a like a maybe an acid trip or something, or like so those characters yeah. are mutations of their own characters or something. I don't know. Right. Sounds slightly more interesting to me than what I originally thought was just like they just meet new agents that are themselves and see I'm really trying to figure out what's going on like I've only seen like a 23 second trailer for it but yeah they keep it just vague enough that you can't really tell what is going on there exactly so I'm looking forward to that probably would have watched it tonight if we weren't doing this this podcast (laughs) pouring rum here Um, the other thing is uh, it's it's a is it a Hulu series or Netflix series? Netflix, maybe? 112263. Do you know this one? I have read the book. Really? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know it was adapted from a book. Yeah, it's a was Stephen it King novel. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Really? really? Yeah, it's Stephen King, yeah. No. <laughs> I shit you not, sir. How did Stephen King know about James Franco, though? That's way ahead of his time. <laughs> Well, he is a wizard. <laughs> Stephen King was the original R.R. R. Martin, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He so, kills everyone. Uh, anyway, and... <laughs> apparently, everything everything I've read about this so far has been that um, you know it could have gone either way, right? Right. But everything I've read about it says that it's great. Yeah, yeah. I've I'm really excited to read it. Actually, the the original book came out in like 2000. 10 or 11 it was right after i moved to maine and um so it fit pretty much. what's that it fit in your lifestyle yeah right? it did you know, well and that's that's the thing changes. like high school i read a bunch of stephen king stuff because i felt like i should read stephen king because i liked horror stuff but yeah. i had a hard time getting into him but once i moved out to maine and started reading stephen king again some of the weird shit that happens in his books made so much more sense after seeing where he lived but yeah it looks really good i'm i'm quite excited about the tv show it just it's like so i mean between the format and the people who are cast in it and the just the way that it sort of snuck up on everybody yeah it, looks like it, could, it could go so so a different way this and the Man in the High Castle are the two adaptations. Well, no, the, three. This, The Man in the High Castle, and Childhood Childhood's End are the three mm. projects that have been made into stuff for TV that right. I really want to see. Yeah, The Man in the High Castle, I've heard, like, really positive stuff and really negative stuff about it. And I would really like to know more about it. It's on Amazon, so I don't know if I... I have Amazon Prime. I don't know if I have to pay for it or not, but... Oh, that's a good point. I forgot that it was on there. And I I genuinely don't know where 112263 is playing. 
Yeah, yeah. So I know it's a mini series, but I don't know if it's like a streaming one. It, well, it's definitely streaming. Um, it's on Hulu. It's a Hulu. Oh, it is. Okay. It's what they call it, Hulu Original, which means Hulu bought it. Uh, okay. Um, so anyway, that's what I'm looking forward to. Nice. Do you want to do uh, the segment we call "I Blame the Sea"? Sure. Let's let's do that. That's a uh, that's when we uh, just rant about whatever something that's bothering us or whatever. People people are going to subscribe to this podcast and spend the deliberate time to listen to it in their busy hectic lives in order to listen to us bitch about stuff and here's your chance to be fair though are we what this is episode five or six or ten depending on how this has to be cut uh (laughs) none of our rants have really been that ranty (laughs) we're both like it's all good (laughs) i'm a firm believer in not ranting people ask me how things are doing and i'm always like things are great and even if they weren't why would i tell you everything's shiny and chrome (laughs) will to power right (laughs) i got a lot i could complain about what's the point of that right right which is you know i had to go like 32 hours without the internet yesterday that's outrageous and yet you still had like texting and stuff well, that's because I had my phone. Verizon right. didn't go down. It was just Cable 1 that went down. Yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> just just for listeners to understand the impact of this, we could have had this podcast ready one day earlier. Yeah. We're uh, already late posting it because we both had shit going on and everything else. So Yeah. He, there was a statewide down, uh, you know, problem with the internet, and, yeah. and so we couldn't do it. Yeah, Robot Kraken is semi-regular. It's... <laughs> It's actually been pretty good. I mean, I've been posting to that almost every day. So have you and yeah. we've got a few other things. But so um, anyway, so you really don't have anything to complain about. You know, I, w- I had something I was going to complain about and I genuinely don't remember what it was now <laughs> because I have been dipping into the Baileys and the Kraken a little heavily right now. Um, I ran out of ginger ale and I'm just on to the spiced rum is that why your voice is getting scratchier as it's we getting go scratchier the, the baileys is nice and smooth for that it's a 1 a.m i don't smooth. know if you noticed i was drinking right out of the bottle earlier so oh, i saw you i saw you lick something <laughs> that wasn't a bottle you know i don't even have rants either i mean I, I mean we talked a little bit about the vignettes versus uh full kits on legos that's a right. rant and uh you know there's I, there have been a few other things here and there that we've talked about. We didn't really even rant about Batman Superman this time. We were we were actually relatively positive about the trailer, shockingly. I just, you know, I'm, I set my expectations very low, which means I can only be impressed. Right. And Absolutely. I went into, and I went into Deadpool. I mean, how? <laughs> what? <laughs> you could not have lower expectations <laughs> than Tom at Deadpool. Yeah, 30 seconds in, I'm dying. Right? So, so, anyway. Right so, on. All right. Well, I think that's what does that pretty much wrap it up for this session? Of, I think it does. I feel like episode six is still two and a half hours or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, actually it was. And that's OK. That's all right. <laughs> it's OK to be it's, a little long. It's it's possibly our destiny. I don't know. This don't could just be us closing out at episode seven. You never know how the editing falls through. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. I'll say it. So uh, <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening to Robot-Kraken. Yes. Not Dosh-Kraken. Not Dosh-Kraken. Robot, robot uh, Dosh-Kraken. <laughs> I hope you join us for our next show where we'll talk about everything we didn't talk about this time. What are we going to talk about next time, do you think? That's a good question. I don't know. Do you think you're going to get to Winter Soldier? Maybe Winter Soldier. 
You never know. (laughs) I should just start making you watch stuff. Like, have you watched Crimson Peak yet? (laughs) Nope. I would like to, though. That sounds like a great one for my life. I just got that on Blu-ray today. That's like one of those ones where, I mean, I've read that it's entirely different than it is set up to be in the trailers, but I don't. I don't care. It just looks yeah. gorgeous. It's just straight up a beautiful gothic romance, actually, with ghosts. <laughs> That's all I've ever really wanted in my yeah. gothic romances with ghosts. That's all you need, really. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so maybe I need to track that down. Maybe that's my homework. Um, so, I am sure we're going to have more to talk about as we get closer to uh, Batman v. whomever, v. Yeah. v. the cities, v. Superman. <laughs> I, I, I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to re- restrain themselves and that they're not going to put another trailer out. That yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm shocked that this is like the fourth one they've put out and they still haven't shown anything of Aquaman and basically the same Wonder Woman scene still. Well, this last time we did see her jump. That's true. And we saw her out of costume briefly. That's right. You don't know. You've never met a woman like me or whatever. Yeah. And also Superman dove in the tub. Right. right. That shows that he's not just like Mr. Straight Laced. He's willing to go in a bathtub with his clothes. Darn tootin' he is. Uh, yeah, right. So, hey, yeah. so he, wait, wait a minute. Did we ever talk about uh, TMNT 2? Uh, I think we talked briefly about how you didn't know who Bebop and Rocksteady were and God damn the it. physicality. So, and <laughs> I did see another one and I saw more of them and I liked them. I can't tell them apart. I don't care. They're just <laughs> mutated animals smashing things. It's fine. But uh, I just cannot tell you how much I love Krang's armor. Krang looks that badass. Weird humanoid head for no reason. Yeah. Like weird. You know what it reminds me of is Masamune Shiro's men like really long sort of jaw oh, yeah, i could see that yeah visor it just looks like, like a weird tiny glasses and <sighs> yeah well and yeah. it's funny because it is straight up faithful to the design of the 80s comics where he would be having that that ridiculous robot body and then he'd wear a trench coat over the top of it <laughs> with the, the little brain peeking out from between the buttons on it I, yes. That's my favorite part of any of these movies so far is what I've seen of Krang. <laughs> I agree. So, anyway, that's another thing to look forward to. Maybe that's what we'll talk about next. No, <laughs> I, no doubt. More trailers. So, uh, <laughs> so, until next time, thanks for listening. And uh, you can catch all of our previous episodes on iTunes and direct download through robot-kraken.com. And uh, if you have any tips, any spoilers sneaky sneaky details from from the street yeah any uh recommendations or requests for things for us to babble about for seven hours <laughs> you can reach us at salty at robot-kraken.com or either of our personal email addresses right yeah and as a reminder you can go to robot-kraken.com and see sort of daily summaries of news bits that we thought were interesting that the majority of which we can't talk about here because i mean, we don't have that much time <laughs> We have almost that much time, but we don't. Yeah, right. <laughs> if we didn't need to sleep or raise children. Yes, or dogs. <laughs> or dogs. All right. Sweet. Well, that's it. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.